0: And uh, if you haven't noticed we had no timer come back with us today. Man. I can't tell you, I sat in uh, Wayne's house several months ago, and he just had tears coming down his face because he said, "I played for the world for 30, some 40 years, or whatever it was, and he said, "I just want to spend the rest of my life praying, playing for the Lord." And for some of you who didn't know, he lost the movement in his, in his uh, left hand, in the fingers. It wouldn't work. And a doctor, one doctor told him, he said, well, that's just, it is what it is. You just have to live with it. They're gone. You can't move them. And if you can't move them, you can't play the, play the guitar. And uh, Wayne told me it was, uh, the doctor said it was neuropathy. And I said, nah, I don't think it is, but okay, I'm not a doctor. Well, end up through a series of circumstances, he got a different doctor. And uh, he did a new set of wor- workup, a new set of blood work, and so forth. Found out it was what? Potassium? Potassium. That's so all it was. Within a couple of days of taking the potassium, he had his fingers back. And uh, next thing you know, he's playing again. Praise the Lord. Isn't it amazing what God does? There you go. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm thankful for how God works. And uh, gives us the desires of our heart. Right, Wayne? Amen. James chapter 1, Wisdom for Daily Trials. In the past two messages, we have looked at the topic of endurance, and we have found that endurance does not come except we go through the trials that God allows us to face. And James tells us that the testing of our faith is a process that God uses to produce the endurance in us, which leads to maturity and wholeness In this next text of Scripture found in James 1, verses 5 through 8, we see the subject of wisdom being addressed. At first glance, one might wonder why James switches gears from talking about endurance to talking about wisdom. But if you think think this through, it becomes very logical. As one is going through the trial or the various trials that God is allowing, according to verse 1, his mind is already to be made up. In fact, he says, uh, actually verse 2, "...consider it a great joy, my brothers." When, whenever you experience various trials. So the word consider is an imperative that said our mind is already to be made up as to how we are going to handle it. So he knows in advance how is he how he is going to respond to the trials that are inevitable. However, living in the flesh proves to be more than difficult for many of us. So James encourages his readers to seek wisdom from God that they might know how to respond to the trials that God allows. So, for a moment this morning, let's look at verses five through eight, and let's see what God has to say about the topic of wisdom. And uh, let me just say, this morning, I'm going to read a lot of scriptures, and uh, I'm going to be spending a few moments in Proverbs. So, uh, if you want to follow along as I say, after I'm going to speed read through something, I highlight some points. And uh, so, if you can't keep along, that's okay. They'll be on the screen. But we're going to kind of fly through some of it, otherwise we'll be here till next week. And I know you don't want that. So let's begin with verses five through eight. It says now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much that, Lord, not only do you remind us that we are going to face trials, and, Lord, you tell us that we're to have our mind made up in advance how we're going to respond to it with the right attitude so that we may have endurance, that we may be complete and whole, lacking nothing. But, Lord, then you go on to give us the solution to how we handle it, We get wisdom from You. And I pray, God, this morning that You would work in our hearts, Lord, to teach us what we need to learn concerning wisdom. Lord, might we walk away with a a different picture of what wisdom is all about. Lord, that we may desire it for our everyday living. Wisdom for daily living. And God, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would bring encouragement where encouragement is needed, bring conviction where conviction is needed. But God, I pray that You would be glorified through all that is said and done. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. But first of all, in our text in verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, uh, I don't know about you, but I need daily wisdom. I don't know a lot about a lot of things. Uh, I know very little about a a few things. But I find myself constantly needing God's wisdom. He says, you might ask, what is wisdom and why is it important? Regardless of what dictionary you might look in, you'll find three basic elements of the idea of, or the definition of wisdom. First of all, it's the ability to discern what is true or right. Uh, When we think of wisdom, it goes beyond knowledge, and it goes further to the ability to discern what is true and what is right. And if we look around in our culture, we can see that a lot of people proclaim a lot of things, but not all of it is true. Um, there's kind of a humorous uh, commercial on TV uh, about one of the car insurances. And uh, somebody says, well, this you know, makes a statement. And they said, well, how do you know that's true? Well, it's on the Internet. Just because it's on the Internet doesn't make it true. Uh, I found, and uh, let me just say this, there's literally not hardly a week that goes by that someone doesn't call me and ask me about Henrietta Christian School. Now, those of you that have been around a little while, how long has it been since we've had a Christian school here? There you go. And every week, we still get phone calls. I mean, literally every week. Here it is years later, why? Because it's on the Internet. And it's on the Internet. it's there for life and it's true. So we get uh, teachers looking for positions. We get students or parents looking for uh, school for their children. But not everything that is proclaimed is true. Wisdom takes what is proclaimed and discerns whether or not is true. right second element of wisdom is this common sense and good judgment there needs to be good judgment when making decisions and then number three the summation of life life's experiences learning and knowledge properly applied to daily life and circumstances we need wisdom And we look at our life, we look at what God has allowed into our life as far as our experiences, the things that we are learning, the things that we've had opportunity to be a part of. Uh, We look at every circumstance that God allows in our life, and we observe those circumstances. Why? So that we can learn from them, and the next time we are faced with them, we apply wisdom to the same circumstance. So that we can learn and move forward. In fact, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 says this. Wisdom is supreme. Some of your translations may say wisdom is a principal thing. It's the bottom line here. Wisdom is supreme, so get wisdom. And whatever else you get, get understanding. And what you're going to find in several of these next verses that we're going to look at in the book of Proverbs, you will often find that wisdom and understanding and discernment are almost used together within a clump of verses. Almost inevitably. Throughout the scriptures. So if you would take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 1. This is where I said we're going to be here for a few minutes. Proverbs chapter 1. I want to read the first several verses here. And we're going to understand. And I want you to think in the context of my daily life. How you get up in the morning. How you respond to circumstances. The people that you face. The workers that you work with. The financial situations that you may be facing. the, The illnesses that you may be facing. In every circumstance of life. Apply the wisdom that we're going to learn about here in just a moment. So beginning verse 1, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, here's the purpose, for learning what wisdom and discipline are. He gives us a very purpose for why this book is written, so that we might have wisdom and discipline. For understanding insightful sayings. For receiving wise instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity. Let me ask you a question. Is integrity needed in our culture? Is wisdom needed? That's why he says these things are here so that you might be able to to discern what is the best solution. What is the answer? So verse 4, "...for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man, a wise man will listen and increase his learning, and a discerning man will obtain guidance." So once again, you see with wisdom comes discernment, there comes understanding, And there comes an application of what is being talked about. So, verse 5, A wise man will listen and increase his learning, and a discerning man will obtain guidance. For understanding a proverb or a parable, like the the words of the wise and their riddles. This honor is for all his godly people. Hallelujah. Actually, I jumped up to the next page. The fear of the Lord, excuse me, verse 7, is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. So what is the beginning of knowledge? The fear of the Lord. That's where it starts. If you want to have wisdom for daily living, wisdom to face everything that God allows in our life, it starts with a healthy fear for the Lord. Going on here, look at down to verse 20. It says, Wisdom calls out in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. She cries out above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. Now think about this. Get in your mind's eye a picture of what is taking place. In life, there's commotion. There's distraction. There's this taking place over here and that taking place over there and this circumstance over here. And there's everything going on around us. And the picture here is a busy street, almost as if you're downtown and there's cars hustling and bustling by and people are walking down the sidewalk. There's everything going on everywhere. And there's a situation, and wisdom is crying out above all of it. It's the voice that is trying to get our attention so that we can respond to everything that's taken place in a biblical fashion. So it says she raises her voice in the public square. She cries out above the commotion and speaks at the entrance of the city gates. How long, foolish ones, will you love ignorance? How long will you mockers enjoy mocking? And you fools hate knowledge. If you respond to My warning, then I will pour out My Spirit on you and teach you My words. So wisdom is there for the taking. And yet fools love their foolishness. Scoffers love their mocking. Verse 23, If you respond to My warning, then I will pour out My Spirit on you and teach you My words. Since I called you out and you refused, extended my hand and no one paid attention, since you neglected all my counsel and did not accept my correction, I in turn will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. So what's the picture here? When wisdom is being offered and we turn our back to it and reject it, at this point we have to suffer the consequence of rejecting that wisdom. Verse 27, When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes in like a whirlwind, when trouble and stress overcome you, Then they'll call me. And I will not answer. And you think about that. that, that's That's a harsh statement. Wisdom was there, but it was rejected. That's harsh. It says, They will search for me, but won't find me. Why? Verse 29 Because they hated knowledge, they didn't choose to fear the Lord. And go back to verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the what? Beginning of knowledge. And when people don't fear God, they don't receive His knowledge, they turn their back on His wisdom. The result is solitude, despair, distress. Look at verse 29. Because they hated knowledge, they didn't choose to fear the Lord, were not interested in my counsel, and rejected all my correction. They'll eat the fruit of their way and be glutted with their own schemes. For the turning away of the inexperienced will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live securely and be free from the fear of danger. What's he saying here? The whole context here is wisdom. Verse 29. Whoever listens to me, the wisdom that's crying out, will live securely and be free from the fear of danger. Going into chapter 2 just for a few moments here says, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding, furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, you, if you seek her like silver and search for her like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. So what's he saying here? Not the third time. The fear of the Lord is linked to understanding, is linked to knowledge, is linked to wisdom. If you want wisdom, it starts with fearing God. It says, "...and discover the knowledge of God." For verse 6, "...for the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth come knowledge and understanding." Once again, you see the link between wisdom, discernment, understanding, knowledge. Verse 7, "...He stores up success for the upright. He is a shield for those who live with integrity so that He might guard the path of justice and protect the way of His loyal followers." What are the followers? Those who follow wisdom. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, integrity, every good path. For wisdom will enter your mind and knowledge will delight your heart. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guide you. Rescuing you from the way of evil, from the one who says perverse things. For they are life to those who find them and hell to one's whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly. And don't let your lips lips talk deviously. Let your eyes look straight forward and fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet. And all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. How can we do that? By applying God's wisdom, which starts with fearing God. See, the person that fears God will be concerned about where his feet go. The person who fears God will be concerned about what his eyes look at. The person who fears God will be concerned about what his ears listen to. The person who fears God will be concerned about what his mind dwells on. That's where it starts. And that's where we need wisdom daily. So we fear God, gives us discernment, we apply the knowledge of God and understanding, and we get wisdom. See, it's not just enough to know. See, a lot of us know far more than what we practice. If we were to go around and take a survey of everyone in the room, probably most of you grew up in church most of your life, or at least parts of your life. We've heard the stories, we've read the verses, we've been preached at, we've been taught. We know far more than what we apply. And that's where knowledge is not just good enough by itself. The knowledge, along with the fear of God, applied to understanding results in wisdom. Going on here. Look at chapter 3. These are familiar verses. You know, almost everyone could probably quote verbatim verses 5 and 6. But it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. Think about Him in all your ways and He will guide you on the right path." Verse 7 is what we don't often associate with it. Don't consider yourself to be wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And verse 80 says, this will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. Wisdom comes as a result of fearing God. And that's why over and over throughout the Proverbs and in many Psalms, he links fearing God and wisdom, and they go hand in hand. Look it down at in verse 13, chapter 3. It says, happy is a man who finds wisdom and who acquires understanding. It doesn't say happy is the man who is wealthy. Happy is the man whose family is nearby. Happy is the man who has a good job. Happy is the man who has everything in life. It says you want to be happy? Happy is the man who finds wisdom, who acquires understanding. For she is more profitable than silver. And her revenue is better than gold. Revenue. We all know what that is. Wisdom has a revenue more profitable than gold. Think about that. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her hand, in her left riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant and all her paths are peaceful. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her, and those who hold on to her are happy. You want joy? Find it in Becoming wise in the Lord. The Lord founded the earth by wisdom and established the heavens by understanding. By his knowledge, the watery depths broke up and the clouds dripped with dew. Maintain your competence and discretion, my son. Don't lose sight of them. They will be life for you and adornment for your neck. Then you will go safely on your way. Your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. You will lie down and your sleep will be pleasant. Don't fear sudden danger or the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from a snare. How does that happen? From applying wisdom and the knowledge of who God is, beginning with a fear of who He is. One more. Proverbs chapter eight. A little bit longer section here. And we could go on throughout many chapters of the Proverbs. Why don't we look at one more chapter? Goes right along with what Proverbs chapter 1 talks about. Verse 1 says, doesn't wisdom call out? Doesn't understanding make her voice heard? Think about that. It's a rhetorical question, isn't it? In other words, the question makes a statement. Wisdom is available. Understanding is out there. It's obvious, I think it's saying, At the heights overlooking the road, at the crossroads she takes her stand. Beside the gates of the entry to the city, at the main entrance she cries out. What's he saying here? It's all around us. It's making itself known. See, apply this to every circumstance of life. Apply it to the culture that we live in. Apply it to our job. Apply it to our every circumstance that comes our way. Wisdom is available if we will open our arms up to it. He says, I am there for you it's screaming out verse 4 says that people i call out to you my cry is to mankind learn to be shrewd you who are inexperienced develop common sense you who are foolish listen for i speak of noble things and what my lips may, lips say is right for my mouth tells the truth and wickedness is detestable to my lips what gives a person discernment the wisdom How is it that I can handle every circumstance that comes my way? By applying the wisdom of God. That's why he says, don't be in in a rush. Don't be overcome by the circumstance. Don't be in a tizzy because this thing happened. Wisdom says, you know what? Slow down. Evaluate. Apply common sense. And just rest in the Lord. Verse 8. All the words in my mouth are righteous. None of them are deceptive or perverse. All of them are clear to the perceptive and right to those who discover knowledge. Accept my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and nothing desirable can compare with it. I mean, think about that. It says that nothing in life can compare to good old biblical wisdom, godly wisdom. Verse 12, I, wisdom, share a home with shrewdness and have knowledge and discretion. And once again, there you see the links between wisdom, discernment, understanding, knowledge. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. I hate arrogant people, evil conduct, and perverse speech. I possess good advice and competence. This is the voice of wisdom talking here. It's almost as if wisdom is a person saying, this is what I like, this is what I don't like. It says, I have understanding and strength. Verse 15, it is by me, wisdom, that kings reign and rulers in that just law. It's by me, wisdom, I'm adding that word, princes lead, or princes lead and as, as do nobles and all righteous judges. I love those who love me, wisdom says. I th- and those who search for me, wisdom, find me. With me, wisdom, are riches and honor, lasting wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than solid gold, and my harvest than pure silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, giving wealth as an inheritance to those who love Me and filling their treasures. What's He saying here? If you read between the lines, read it black and white, no matter how you observe it. He says, listen, wisdom is better than everything else. But when you seek wisdom with everything you have within you, it's almost as if He says, I'll give you these things anyway. It's the matter of perspective. It's the matter of the focal point. When our desire and our primary focus is to have wisdom, he says these things will follow. But if you make these things your focal point, you're a fool. Because wisdom is better. Verse 21 says that. Giving wealth as an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. Verse 22, wisdom says this, The Lord made me at the beginning of His creation. There's a second time, he says, with wisdom He created. Wisdom was there at creation. The Lord made me at the beginning of His creation, before His works of long ago. I was formed before ancient times, from the beginning before the earth began. I was born when there was no watery depths and no springs filled with water. I was delivered before the mountains and hills were established, before He made, his, made the land, the fields of the first soil on earth. I was there when He established the heavens, when He laid out at the horizon on the surface of the ocean, when He placed the skies above when the, fount- the fountains of the ocean gushed out, when He set a limit for the sea so that the waters would not violate His command. When He laid the foundations of the earth, I was skilled craftsmen beside Him. I was His delight every day, always rejoicing before Him. I was rejoicing in his his inhabited world, delighting in the human race. And here's what he closes with, verse 32 and following. And now, my sons, listen to me. Those who keep my ways are what? Happy. You want to be happy? Live with God's wisdom. Listen to instruction and be wise. Don't ignore it. Anyone who listens to me is happy. Watching at my doors every day, waiting by the post of my doorway. For the one who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. I have to be honest with you, how many of you have ever read the Proverbs through cover to cover? Man, I can't tell you how many times I've done that in my life. But it was refreshing to read through all the verses that deal with wisdom again. It just puts a perspective on life that we need God's wisdom. More than anything else. For daily living to handle everything as God would have us to handle it. We need wisdom. But verse 36, there's a warning. But the one who misses me harms himself. And all who hate me love death. Wow, what what are some strong words concerning wisdom. We can begin to see why God's Word places such a high emphasis on wisdom. It doesn't matter whether it is a difficult decision you are facing. A neighbor that has irritated you. A question of how you will deal with temptation, etc. It doesn't matter the trial that you are going through or the trial you're about to face. God's wisdom will guide us through. Back to our text here in, in James chapter 1, just for a moment, and we're going to be jumping around a little bit. Verse 5 says, Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. As he just says, make up your mind. Consider it joy. He says you need to determine in advance. Because remember, that's an imperative. And whenever implies from the original language, it's not if you face a trial, but when. So the trial is not probable, it's inevitable. And now you're going to need wisdom as you go through it. Because in our flesh, apart from applying God's wisdom, we're going to handle it wrong. Especially if we do it within our own strength, in our own understanding. We need God's help for this. The Apostle Paul understood the value and importance of wisdom. Um, I was amazed once again in studying this. How many times Paul to his churches and regardless of where he was ministering, always said, I'm praying that God would give you wisdom. In fact, let's look at a couple of these. The first one is in Ephesians chapter one. Uh, Ephesians chapter one. And verses 15 through 19, he says this. This is why, well, actually let me go back to verse 13 so it kind of give you a little more of the context. It says, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed in Him, you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He is the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the possession to the praise of His glory. This is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. Paul is saying to them, I've heard about your faith. I understand what's going through. And he says, I'm praying for you. What is he praying for? Verse 17. I pray that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and the revelation of His knowledge. He didn't say, hey, I'm not praying that your church gets bigger. I'm not praying that you guys can build a great big new building. He says, no, I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ would give you wisdom. Why? Because churches need wisdom ministries need wisdom we see what happens when wisdom is not applied to churches in god's ministries they fall apart they go astray they cease to preach the gospel so it goes on verse 18 i pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened so you may know what is the hope of this calling what are the glorious riches of His inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His vast strength? He said, you need knowledge so that you can have discretion to know what these things are. It's amazing. You could go to churches across America and ask this pastor, what's the most important thing? What's the most important thing? What's the most important thing? And guess what? Everybody's going to have a different answer. That's why Paul says, I'm praying that you might have wisdom. Why? He says, I'm praying that the perception of your mind may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of His calling. He said that's important. and You need wisdom to see it. I don't know about you, but us pastors can be off base a little bit. I think every one of us, if we're not walking with God and applying His Word, it's very easy to say, well, this is really important. we got to do this. All of us have that potential of looking for the wrong things and making the wrong things primary. So he says, I want you to have wisdom so that you might know the hope of his calling. So that you might know what are the glorious riches of his inheritance. Because sometimes what we think is glorious inheritance is not what God thinks is a glorious inheritance. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? So he's reminding this church, he says, I'm praying that God will give you wisdom. Go over a book to Philippians chapter 1. And look at verse 8. It says, For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and in every kind of discernment. Remember we said? Knowledge, discernment, understanding, properly applied, promotes wisdom. So he said, I pray this that your love will keep growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you can approve the things that are superior and can be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He says, I'm praying that you'll have discernment. What is discernment? Knowledge applied. Common sense applied. Look over another book, Colossians chapter 1. Everywhere Paul went, same message for these churches and the people of the churches, for these leaders, that they might have wisdom, that they might apply a discernment. Look at verse 9. It says, for this reason also, since the day we heard of this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? So that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God. How do we do that? He says, I'm praying that you'll have wisdom so that you can do this. Obviously, Paul understood the importance and the value of churches gaining wisdom and folks we're no exception wisdom is an absolute necessity for daily living if we are going to be godly it's so easy to live in the flesh all of us struggle with that every day we have a fresh opportunity to exercise discernment the knowledge of god to apply his wisdom to everything that comes our way and by doing so we become more godly Back to our text in James chapter 1. We see how wisdom is received. We see this right away in verse 5. He says, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should what? Ask God. It's amazing how many times God in His Word says to ask. He says, some of you have not because you ask not. He says, if you want something, you have to ask for it. But he says, as it pertains to this wisdom, if you want wisdom, ask for it. This is the second imperative in chapter 1. The first imperative was the word consider. <coughs> the second imperative is this word ask. So, uh, a man or a woman in need of wisdom is to ask for it. In this light, asking God for wisdom is not really an option, but rather a command, because it is an imperative. So when life's circumstances would knock us off balance, we are not to act ignorantly or foolishly, but we're to act with God's wisdom because He says, if you'll ask Me for it, I'll give it to you. There's something to be said of those of us who may not ask for it. If we don't ask God for wisdom, what does that imply? I got this one, God. Don't worry about it. Uh, it's all under control. Um, I don't know about you, but I find myself not asking God enough. I find myself just kind of going through life sometimes. I find myself just getting up, getting going, and starting on the to-do list. It may include reading the Bible. It may include some time in prayer. But I find myself just going through the daily motions because that's what all of us do. We get up, we get moving, we go forward. But how many of us really, truly stop and say, God, I need your wisdom. Today, God, I'm going to work, and my coworkers are going to frustrate the tar out of me. And I need your wisdom, God. Today, God, i got this situation... And God, I need your help. Could you give me wisdom in knowing how to deal with it? It is so easy to pick up the phone and say, Hey, John, did you hear what happened the other day? Uh, Man, I don't know about you, but I'm just so irritated. I just want to slap the guy. And I'm telling you what, if he he opens his mouth one more time, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And and by the way, you can tell your friends. That's what we're good at. We're good at calling our buddies and our friends who will sympathize with what our situation is. We're good at letting those around us who will comfort us in the frustration. Rather than saying, God, I'm not going to worry about telling anybody else about this, but you know the situation, um, and I need your help to know how to deal with it. That ought to be our first response. Because he says, if you lack wisdom, you don't know how to deal with it, just ask me, and I'll give it to you. And we just read through all the Proverbs and how important it is and how awesome it is. And he says, those who reject it, there'll be a day where it will be too late. Because once we start responding in our own flesh, once we respond in our own knowledge, and what we think is right and what we think is best, by then it's too late. We need to head that off by seeking God's face first. First. So when life circumstances would knock us off balance, immediately we are to ask God for wisdom. And the person who asks for wisdom receives a generous supply of wisdom. Um, just for a moment, keep your finger there, but turn over to Matthew chapter 7. Just kind of another principle to kind of throw in the mix here. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, keep asking, and it will be given to you. "...keep searching and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who searches finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be open. What man among you, if his son asks for him bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him. Jesus makes it clear. I want to give you the things that you ask. I want to make sure that you have what you need. So God gives His wisdom without criticizing, without reproach. Remember, this wisdom is needed in order that we might handle the trials of life correctly that we talked about in the first couple of verses. Also, notice verse 6 here we see the condition of receiving God's wisdom. He says, if you'll ask me, I'll give it to you, but here's here's the requirement. Here's the prerequisite. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. He says, you need to ask in faith without doubting. Without doubting. Um, You've probably heard me say this at one point or another if you've attended this church very long. Why do we bother praying if we don't believe God's going to answer? It's wasted breath. It's almost like, well, God, you know, I got this circumstance. I know you're probably not really interested in it, but just in case you might be, you know, have a thought towards it, uh, here it is. What kind of prayer is that? You say, well, Pastor, I don't pray that way. You are praying that way if you don't believe that God's going to do something. If you don't believe God's listening, if you don't believe that God's going to respond, now let me say, I didn't say respond the way you want. Sometimes we have a little mindset of how we want God to work. But he says, let him that asks, he says, if you ask wisdom and don't doubt that, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. So, without doubt, he makes it very clear that's the condition of receiving God's wisdom. Ask in faith without doubting. In fact, go back just a couple pages to Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 1 says this, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what not what is not seen. You can't always see what faith is, just like you can't always see the air. But you see the results of it. You see how the trees move when the wind blows. You see the results of faith when it's properly applied. And look at down, verse 6. This is what I was just talking about. Verse 6 says this, Now without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to Him must believe that He exists and rewards those who seek Him. What's he saying here? If you're going to approach me, you better believe that I'm here. And if you believe that I'm here, you better believe that I'm going to work. So we see the condition is not no doubting. Matthew twenty one, another principle just goes along with this. Matthew chapter twenty one, verses twenty one and twenty two. Jesus answered him and answered them, "I assure you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree." But even if you tell this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it will be done. And if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. What's he saying here? The principle is made. You've got to trust God that He can do what you're asking for. Now, does that mean is I have a blank ticket? No. There are parameters. We don't have time to get into all those. But faith has to be present. Um, I won't take the time to look into Matthew chapter 13, but remember Jesus going back to his hometown. And uh, everyone just kind of looked and says, well, isn't that Jesus? Well, isn't his mother Mary and father Joseph? Isn't isn't that that just Jesus that grew up here? And verse 58 says, And Jesus did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. When we don't believe and exercise our faith in God, guess what? You won't be disappointed. Because he's not going to work. No faith equals no blessing. It's just that clear. One more. John chapter 14. Verses 13 and 14. this says, Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. What's the purpose? That God might be glorified. When we go through the trials of life, and guess what? It's not probable, it's inevitable. When we face those difficult circumstances and we call on God for wisdom to make sure that we handle them correctly, guess who is glorified? God. So he says this, if you don't doubt that when you call on me and ask me for faith to go through your trial, I'm going to give you that faith, I'm going to give you the wisdom that you need to face it, and I'm going to glorify myself in doing it. Because whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. That the Father may be glorified. So it gives us a condition. Just trust me. We've already learned that God doesn't make any mistakes, does He? He does what's best for us, He does what's right for us. He closes this little text of Scripture here, verse 8. Some of your translations may say a double-minded man. Uh, Holman Christian uses an indecisive man. Is what? Unstable. He's unstable. If we're going to handle the trials of life in a way that will allow us to gain endurance, we must handle each trial using God's wisdom. But as I'm going through the trial, as I'm going through the difficult time. No, I'm not sure what to do. I'm not really sure. Maybe I should do this and maybe I should do that or maybe I should go over here or maybe I should go over here and I'm not really sure what to do. Instability. But when we stop and say, God, I'm trusting you that you'll give me the answer of how this thing needs to unfold. And God, I'm just asking you for that wisdom. That person God says, I will grant wisdom to. The trials are not for no purpose. you understand that? Everything that God allows. I mean, we're talking about the concept of going through trials and gaining endurance through the testing of our faith. He says, you're going to need wisdom along that journey. Right? But God doesn't make any mistakes. God knows exactly what's best for us. He knows how to handle every circumstance. So he says, if you'll just trust me, I'll give you what you need. But instability is not what we want. We want God to be glorified. So, if we're going to handle the trials correctly, biblically, in a way that allows us to gain that endurance, we need to seek God for his wisdom. We know how valuable it is, If we make anything else our focus, God says we're foolish. If we make the things of this world our focal point, you're going to lose in the end. But the bottom line is when we focus on gaining wisdom, according to Proverbs, God will bless anyway. It's kind of like Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all these things will be added to us. But in our culture, it's like, seek everything else and, oh yeah, throw church in there on the side. Seek everything you want and have a little bit of religion too. But that's the problem. It's religion, not a relationship. God wants a relationship with us. He wants our attention. Challenge us all. You're going to to go through difficult times. Every one of us are going to go through things that maybe are particular to us as individuals. But we have to know that you're not the only one going through it. You may be facing something that she's not facing, and he may be facing something that he's not facing, but God says, well, it doesn't matter the circumstance. I'm doing my work. Call on me for wisdom, and I'll help you through it. Let's be challenged this week to see God's face in everything, whether we think it's a big deal or not. Whether we think we can handle it or not. Whether we think we know how to deal with it or not. Let's say, God, what is your will? What is your plan in this? What is it that you want me to learn? How is it that you want me to respond? Let's apply the wisdom that God says is available. Where does it start? By fearing God. Taking the knowledge of God and... Everything that he's doing through is giving us discernment and understanding and properly applied, gain wisdom. And God says, I'll work.